This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult look to our favorite childhood movie. This week, we are going back after the nightmare that was Warriors of Virtue. We had to pick another good movie. Uh, so we are taking a look at Groundhog Day to determine if our nostalgia we is don't, We don't know it's a good movie yet. We haven't gotten to the end of this episode. Spoiler alert, then. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, you brought this movie forward. Are you prepared for a 60-second synopsis? You know, I was, like, four days ago when I wrote it, and now I uh-huh. haven't looked at it since then. So we'll see if I finish it in time. Oh, boy, I can't wait for this. <laughs> All right, let me set up a timer. And... All right, that is set up. So you are going in three, two, one. Cynical narcissist and local weatherman Phil Connors is being sent to cover Groundhog Day celebrations for the fourth time, and although he despises the town and its festivities, he is willing to go because he believes it will earn him a better position at a national television station. After quickly rushing through his puff piece in a single take, he is eager to leave town, only to find the interstate is closed due to the blizzard that he predicted would miss the area. He returns to Punxsutawney and goes to bed. The next day, Phil wakes up to discover it is still Groundhog Day, and he relives the events of the previous day. The next day, he wakes up to discover it is still Groundhog Day, and he relives the events of the previous day. The next day, he wakes up and discovers it is still Groundhog Day, and he relives the events of the previous day. After many months of Groundhog Day, Phil has learned many new talents and started to appreciate and care for others. Phil tries to win the love of his new producer, Rita, and as he gradually becomes a better person, she falls for him. The next day, he wakes up to discover it is February 3rd. They presumably live happily ever after. Nice. Three seconds remaining, two, one. There it is. I have a problem with your synopsis. (gasps) All right. Before we get into that, let's get into long form. I also have issues with it, but I just picked out things that I thought would be fun to say over and over. Now, Mark, I uh, I am going to take umbrage with it as well. Were you experiencing a Groundhog Day-esque repeat cycle as you were writing this? Yes. Okay, Sarah, what was your comment? My comment is the fact that he says it takes place over many months, where most of the people estimate it would take somewhere between 9 to 15 years. Yes. So one of the wonderful things about this film is about after the fourth loop, you're never quite sure what number loop he is on. Yeah, he mentioned one at one point he's flipping cards into a hat playing that mm-hmm. game with Rita and he and she asks him something she says something, Oh no, it would take forever to learn how to do this and he said six months. So yeah. it sounds like he's been at least yeah. six months practicing just flipping cards, not to mention all the other things I he learns how to piano. do. So. Mm-hmm. L- Plus, he knows every single person in that yes. town, their life history. And so people have, like, done, like, crazy math to be like, this is how long it would take to learn this skill and this skill and this skill. Although originally, have you, did you read, he, uh, Ramis says that mm-hmm. it's, Harold Ramis said it was supposed to be about 10 years. Although okay. he was the director I, for yes. people that don't he know. W- he was the director. He also played a doctor yes. in the film. Um, 
originally it was supposed to be like 10,000 years and they changed that (laughs) That because that's ridiculous (laughs) and really really depressing all right so one of the things that i absolutely love about this movie is that it wastes no time getting into the cycle because it starts the first loop at the eight minute mark and it is on to the the crux of the film which is repeating that loop over and over again by the 20 minute weirdly though it it does waste time in what it was supposed to do. In the original script, it started within the loop. It started oh, partway through the loop in just a normal day within the loop. And that's how it was supposed to start with them already like a good year or so into the loop. And they changed I it. I don't think that works, though, because you have to see where he starts know. to appreciate where he gets to. Yeah. It, and I, you wouldn't I know see, that he had how it started. I don't mind how it started. It would have been really interesting to see how they would have done that if they would have done some flashbacks or what. I could yeah. see it working. It's just hard to see it working coming from the place we we are at where we know how this movie right. works. Yeah, I I like how they set it up in this movie because not only do we establish his character before this nonsense happens, but also. Uh, it establishes that he's not from Poxitani. He is there for a puff piece that he's forced to do every year. And I think this would be a much different movie if he had had a well-established relationship with the a lot of the town before starting the loop. It works because he's not from this town. He is starting from zero in this area. He's not comfortable in this town. If he's in the city, that's a completely different movie where he's just living his life over and over again. I feel like, though, living in Pennsylvania and becoming a weatherman when your name is Phil, you should expect yeah. that you're going to get sent there at some point. But, but I guess that the whole point was he was supposed to be going through the Groundhog Day and knowing all of these things he shouldn't know, and the audience was supposed to be mm. like, why does he know this? And then the loop gets explained. And so there's those moments okay. where, like, are, is he magic? Is he psychic? What's going on? Yeah. And then it would reset and then you'd be like oh this is what's going on but another wonderful thing i love about this film it doesn't explain why the loop begins or why it ends Mm -hmm. it just happens and in a much worse movie they would give some bs reason like he's struck by lightning or something or like this weird science experiment goes wrong and he gets trapped i guess it ends because he stops being a jerk is the idea but it's never like specifically said they never come out and say it but that's kind of the whole thing behind it is his whole personality changes to where originally all he cares about is himself and by the end he wants everybody else to be happy and that's where Mm -hmm. he gets his happiness from I don't know if that's like the director said that. I'd have to use my because it is Google. up to the viewer of the movie to determine their own reason why this loop has so, ended. Is it just that the film required it? That's the way narratives go, or is there some other supernatural reason that takes him out of they it? They could have gone the normal thing where it was just a dream the whole time. <laughs> Although they certainly okay. could, but he knows a quite a lot for just in, a in dream. another dropped thing because they dropped how long the loop was. They dropped the beginning, and apparently. The ending was supposed to be, it goes finally to the third, and it was going to start another loop, but Rita was going to be the one stuck in the loop. Oh, that's interesting. Which would have been, if they'd made a sequel, it would have been interesting, because now you're dealing with a loop, but you're dealing with a loop with someone who's not going to remember anything, but does already believe that the loop is a thing. Right. Uh, like that guy could definitely work as like the sage or the yeah. the wise man in the film, giving her guidance to how to survive this. So thing. it it would it 
it would have been an interesting thought if they did it, which one, they dropped it. Two, after this movie, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis didn't talk for like a decade. So that wouldn't have worked. But it would have been interesting because it's a way to do something, a sequel that is very similar to the the first one, which is what everyone wants. But yet you're adding new mechanics to it. So to basically right. Back to the Future 2 and 3, <laughs> where it's the exact same story, but, but different with settings. Less- Yes. Maybe. Well, I liked Back to the Future 2. It went off the rails to Back to the Future 3. You anyway, like the Cowboys? before we get too far away from the ending, my understanding of the film was that he finally got to progress because he finally got that day right. Or like he was finally in the right place with Andy McDowell. Because previously in the film, he gets with presumably every woman in this town. We see <laughs> yes. him with two, but... He spends a lot of time just fooling around. Well, and he ends up with, with her earlier, but he does it where he's yes. like basically just, well, I'll have my list. But and- like he's learning the relationship by rote. He's going through several cycles, figuring out what works and then just trying to repeat that cycle and get it perfect. And he never does because he's still a jerk. in every one he see she slaps him in the face. We see a long oh, sequence of her slapping slap him in the montage, face like twenty which times. Which is great. The slap yeah. montage I like. The and then later montage. in the film, uh, he also has her spend the night where he's much more relaxed, and it's not a love connection. She is there as a friend because she knows that the loop thing is happening and wants to see it in action. Which has the really cute moment where she gets mad at him at midnight because oh. she's like, yes. "You knew I was waiting for midnight." And the even cuter moment when she is falling asleep and he pronounces his love for her. And she's like, what did you say? And you understand as a viewer that he is now truly in love with this woman. But then he wakes up and she's gone again. And then he's very sad. And then the film ends where she is finally in love with him the same way he is in love with her. And the day is allowed to end finally. That was my understanding of this process. That the universe was waiting until he got it right to proceed. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty common... I mean, this obviously wasn't the first, and it was certainly not the last of these repeat-a-day thing, and there's some sort of, here is what the day is supposed to look like, or the lesson you're supposed to learn that triggers it. And I hate it when they say, like, like we understand that's the thing, but there are some where they're like, this is exactly what you have to do, and this is what it means. We don't need the explanation. We know that Bill right. Murray's a better person and he's truly found love and stuff like that. We don't need that written out for us for us to understand that. Yeah, while this is one of many repeating time things, I think this might be one of the best yes. because there are, he's not trying to solve a mystery. Are he's we not history? like repeating the day to learn more that about feels- it in the investigation <laughs> to figure out why the loop is happening because the loop is just happening. And he doesn't really learn anything as to how to prevent it or try to stop. Well, he does stop several <laughs> things. But, like, it always seems like he's deciding to help these people as opposed to he needs to get this right. Somebody needs to be saved that day or, like, he needs to solve the crime. And I think originally it was more like, hey, I get to do this day over and over. I'll just do whatever I want because it doesn't matter. So he was... Like you said, learning new each step of the dating process with each one of these women, then he would memorize it and then the next day go back and do it again and add something different to see if that worked. And he was doing stuff like stealing money and yes. driving on the but train like, tracks. But like 
instead of actually, at, like, throughout the movie, there was one point where he finally decided that maybe it would be better to help other people, like the old man that was begging on the street, <gasps> oh, which was oh, probably the yeah, worst yeah. part of the whole movie. Now, everyone should know this. This is a very popular movie, but describe the old man sequence. To this <sighs> so it's the very beginning, the first time he's going through town. He walks by a beggar, a, a homeless guy, presumably, on the corner of the street that, you know, he kind of pats his pockets and looks like, oh, sorry, I don't have anything, and just kind of walks by. And he does that through several of the times that you see it repeated over and over. And eventually, especially after he falls in love with Rita and he starts to be happy with his life there, he walks by one time, pulls out a wad of cash to start counting it, and then just hands the whole thing to the guy. And later that night, he sees the same man kind of stumbling off into an alley. He goes to help him and brings him to the hospital, only to find out that he dies while he's at the hospital. So he tried to look at the guy's chart and figure out what was wrong with him so he could go back and save him the next day. And you see a couple attempts of him trying to save this guy's life, and he never can. And the point was just that sometimes people die and there's nothing you can do. And so he he really started to freak out like now because he realized that he is starting to care for these people and there's nothing he can do to help. So this is when he decided to change and help out as many people as possible. The old man is the only character that is not saved. He's like he's like the Final Fantasy VII character. He's (laughs) he's the heiress, Aerith, where like the others like because Bill Murray kills himself at one point. A couple other characters, multiple points, multiple points. Yes. Yes, he gets shot, stabbed, poisoned electrocuted blah 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 but this is the one character that no matter what he does he cannot be saved and it's this really emotional moment where because there's one point where he talks about i am a god and stuff like that and this is kind of the moment where he is not a god he is not in control of the loop there's not everything he can do not everything is unstoppable right this is a a constant on this day on this day this man dies and there's nothing you can do during that day to prevent it and that's that's one of the central tragedies of the film. Uh, and it's almost out of place because it's a small section, whereas before it's like he's dating or he's exploring the time loop and that dynamics. But I think it's so important to illustrate, despite everything he knows, having been in this loop, all the books he's read, all the skills that he's picked up, all the, the relationships that he has formed. Yeah, he this is the one thing he cannot do. But I want to get into that death sequence because it plays into the theory I mentioned about this loop being more about Andy McDowell than it is about Bill Murray. Because at one point, he jumps off of a building uh, and crashes and it cuts to the morgue where we see his dead body. Meaning the loop does not immediately reset when he dies. He is a dead body until 6 a.m. and then he wakes up again. I think if it was more about Bill Murray, we'd never see the morgue because that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. in this loop. And that scene was weird to me anyway, because she really didn't know him yet, supposedly, and shouldn't have been too much in love with him. But she could kind of you could tell she was sad about it. And then the cameraman was talking about how he was such a great man, even though he's always a jerk to them. So I don't it seems like the cameraman has known him for years that they've worked together forever. Andy McDowell's is the new one. And it seems like maybe she has where she isn't remembering anything, but she has some weird deja vu because she mentions at some point that she feels like she knows this happened. So maybe there's this thing where she she has some instinct that they have some more connection than what is 
being seen more than the, just this day, even though she can't really put her finger on it. Where she doesn't maybe. remember everything like he does, but maybe she remembers some of the feelings from it. Mm, that is a possibility. There's, there's my Not... fan theory of the day. All right. All right. Interesting. It's, it's one of my better I ones. I could maybe buy into it, but he is he is able to trick her. But yeah. you're right. Um, because so we see him basically get another woman to believe that he already or she already knows him. And the way he does that, he goes through one loop. And ask her, like, very specific questions, like, what town did you grow up in? Who was your 12th grade English teacher? Uh, and another one. And then the next loop, he uses all of that information to say, of course we know each other. We went to high school together. I sat next to you in this teacher's class. And he's, he builds a relationship out of nothing, basically tricking this woman to get her into bed. But when he tries this with Andy McDowell, it doesn't work. So I could definitely see something where she is different because she has a sense of what is Maybe going on, even though she psychic. can't make it into words. Well, and, you know, that whole scene, at least the way I see it, is because uh, Ned Ryerson, who keeps stopping him on the street, that's the same way he introduces himself, trying yes. to sell him insurance, is, don't mm -hmm. you remember me? You, you used to know me in school, and we did all this stuff together. I asked your sister to prom. And Bill Murray uses some of that same stuff to try to yes, get to know does. this girl. So I think he just, it's to show he learned it from this salesman and is just using it as a technique to pick somebody up rather than trying to get to know them. That, that brings us nicely into another thing I wanted to talk about this film, about the wonderful character actors in this film. Because Bill Murray is the star. Nobody's bigger than Bill Murray, but... For people that have a very small role, they are really chewing the scenery and making the most of it. So Ned Ryerson is played by Stephen Tobolyowski, who this is a role that could be very, well, is a little annoying, could be kind of forgettable, even though you see it a bunch of times. Because even Bill Murray's character approaches it, okay, this is just something I have to get through throughout the day. But Stephen Tobolyowski is... Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's selling it in that the way that he is delivering the lines, the voice that he puts on, his energy, like he is doing an excellent job here. Um, well, and this is one of those cases, again, we talked about there's many examples of different movies where they just repeat the same day. And they did a really good job. At, well, they did a good job of making sure everybody says the same oh, lines yeah. and is in the same it's positions. However... Mm -hmm. Something that I noticed and which I also saw people pointing out online is different days he's waking up at different times or hopping out of bed immediately to run down the stairs and leave. Yet he finds the exact same people in the exact same place on the street, though it should be a different time than he did the first day. So there's a little error there, but I think it kind of I think you can look past that because it works for the story to show that he keeps encountering the same things over and over but yeah, it was a good like, way. They did a good job of making sure everybody did exactly the same thing. Oh, in yeah. every Take. So, yeah, especially Annie McDowell. Like, and some less... of them, her face is so dead on. Oh, absolutely. Though, uh, to Mark's point. Yeah, these are kind of the events that happen during his day are kind of universal constants, no matter 
when he's getting up or when he's getting out. So it, it does differ from movies like Run, Lola, Run, where like one small thing at the beginning sets him on a completely different day. We're not talking about Run, Lola, Run. Okay, the movie's fine. nuts. Yeah, it is. But um, so other character actors in this is film. Is Bill Murray's brother. Yep. Sorry? Bill Murray's brother is in it, but not that brother, the other Ryan brother. Ryan Doyle Murray? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Who is playing, I couldn't figure out his character because he's on the radio, but he's also kind of the master of the ceremonies and might be the mayor. Yeah, I thought he was the mayor, but he may just be the Groundhog Day ceremony He's the Groundhog Keeper. The the very dangerous Groundhog. (laughs) The very dangerous Groundhog. No, apparently he bit Bill Murray twice and Bill Murray had to get rabies shots. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, the very dangerous but yes, but also I thought um, you meant in the film. No, but no, in real life. But uh, Chris Elliott <laughs> is who you're talking about. Yes, Chris Elliott is the cameraman who is playing who Chris Elliott plays. Who he's kind of a scumbag. I like where I like Chris Elliott weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So we talked about the death scene where we see his dead body, yeah. and Chris Elliott pretends to have a better relationship with the guy than he actually had in real life. Also, in the final loop, he is trying to hit on Nancy, someone that Bill Murray hit on earlier but in I the don't film. Think, but he doesn't know that Bill Murray hit on Nancy. No, no, he doesn't. And he doesn't, but like, like, creepy hit on Nancy like Bill Murray does. He just, I think but he's But he a, does not really pick up yeah, on that I she is not into this. I think he's this. just a loser. Okay. He's a loser in All a right. weird sweater, and it's but okay, I think Chris you Elliott. don't realize that until that scene. Most of it, he's just the goofy cameraman. He's, he's... He just doesn't understand. He's just a sad, sad person with no love mm-hmm. in his life. He doesn't get Andy Mitchell. No, he doesn't. He never he does. He does get a Not coffee. Any of the loops. And a pastry. Yes, he gets. Yeah, that I is true. I think I prefer the pastry. Apparently, they're Probably. supposed to be great. I'm hungry, guys. In because this, you've never had uh, a pastry okay, in your life. Okay, that explains <laughs> it. She is hungry, everybody. No more mention of I food. I haven't eaten anything today except for a few sun chips, so. <laughs> But pastries come up a lot in this movie, and I was like, I really want They do? <laughs> yeah, every I time I only they... remember that one scene. No, every time they go to that diner, someone gets right. a pastry. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that diner, because one of the things I noticed in the background is that you're not quite sure what time of day oh, the they clocks... are at this diner. All the clocks are stopped. Because the clocks are set at... They are stopped, and they are set at different times. Yes, this was on purpose. Yes. Let's see, because uh, one is at 6.55, one is at 11.30, another is 4.05. So it it works well in the film because you're never quite sure when he has arrived here because the only frame of reference you have isn't a trusted frame of reference. Well, and the, the first day they didn't even go to the diner. It wasn't until it started repeating he brought Rita in there to discuss it because the first day mm-hmm. he just did the report and wanted to leave immediately. And this the next time he knew he wasn't going to be able to get home. So he just said, well, let's go to the diner and talk. And then basically mm-hmm. every day after that, they did that again. So Right. Well, occasionally he must have done the newscast because the first time they go to the diner... He, it's the third time he's doing the newscast. He is done with it. He thinks he's already nailed it. He can't do it again. And so he goes to the diner just to have something new happen. And this comes up again where much later in the film, um, he is, tells Andy McDowell about what's happening. She comes to the hotel to talk about it with him. And she, I think she tries something and asks him about it. He's like, yes. Anything new is good. Oh, it, no, that's the very end scene. That is the very end. Is it? Yeah. It's, okay. it's already it's on the, the third end. by then. Yeah, it's when he wakes but up yeah. and she's like, and he 
It's when they're all. It sleeping. just suggests that he he can't stand doing the same thing because all days are the same, and so any little nuance to his day, anything that isn't the same rote experience that he's had before, is appreciated, and he wants to explore that. I, that's why I'm glad but, they kept they kept it at like ten years instead of ten thousand because. I think that would have dragged it from dark comedy into just horror movie territory. Well, yeah, because his experience through the loops, I think, are the experience that any human being would have. I was, I, I, well, what I started to think, again, I think there's only been one movie out of everything we've reviewed so far that I haven't watched at least twice. So Mm -hmm. after the second watch through of this the other day, I was thinking about it as the stages of depression almost yeah i was thinking about that as well like the five stages of yeah because he starts off kind of like what's going on what what, then he kind of goes crazy and tries to kill himself a bunch of times and eventually he just kind of gets to the acceptance and starts to live his life and be happy with it just because there's nothing he can do about it but i do think at a certain point if it got beyond this he would just go catatonic and it would just be like bill murray in a corner well at kind of a point he does yeah but i think it would relapse into that as after i've learned everything i know every language i can play every instrument i have nothing to do with my life i'm gonna sit here in a ball and hope for the world to implode one slight problem i saw with this film is so the first loop it establishes his timeline where he has to do the newscast they get in the van as soon as possible they head back to the city and they are stopped because a semi has crashed in a bridge blocking the highway which is their only route back i but they are very close to the semi Meaning if they had just skipped the newscast, like if he had stolen the car and left the other two there, I think he could make it back to the city that yeah. day. But would that still loop him back too. in? Is, does the loop extend beyond Oh, yes. I, th- I think it does. So if, but it, it, it transcends death. I'm pretty sure it can so transcend So he would just distance. loop back to the other city. Yes. But he would be able to have more experiences in the big city in a land that he knows. But... Um, if he can steal a plane, he things, can get a lot done. One of the things I love about him going through the loops is how much he experiments with what is going on to like truly understand, are people messing with me? Is this really happening? Because uh, the very first thing he does, I think from the second to third loop, is he breaks the pencil and puts it in the drawer just so when he wakes up in the morning, he has a frame of reference to know the pencil is still there, something has happened. That wasn't originally what it was. Apparently that scene was supposed to be different and whatever scene they were supposed to do, they could not get to work. He was supposed to kind of have a meltdown, trash the room, shave Mm. his hair, and it was supposed to hit six o'clock and everything was supposed to get fixed, but they couldn't get the transition to work. And so they just did the pencil. (laughs) But it was supposed to be this whole big thing where you like completely everything is trashed and then it hits six o'clock and everything is fixed. Oh no, I think... I think this the smaller reaction of like a small experiment and then it going into larger experiments as he goes on, like getting into a police chase and waking up in jail. I think that helps the viewer along to establish what's going there, on. I don't know if that would have worked. There's a lot of movies where having this scene or something break led to something better. This isn't yes. the only example of like. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm saying yeah. I think they made the right choice. Did we ever get to... I know you mentioned a while back you wanted to talk about the death sequences. Did we get oh, sure. to that part? I just remember because no. there were like we're, five we're different We're jumping times. around because this is... 
This is not a linear movie. There's no way not. we could twirl the plot in Although sequence. his, again, his death scenes were basically back-to-back, just showing yeah. him killing himself yes. over and over. Well, they do it we get a lot of montages yeah. showing a loop after loop of him trying new things. So, But I think it's the best way that they... That not necessarily maybe those loops did happen back to back, but that they did show them back to back because I think that's the best way to showcase one how well those actors did at portraying that scene where everyone except Bill Murray are is I doing doing identical actions until something mm-hmm. he changes something, and so if you didn't do them back to back to back, you wouldn't get that contrast as much. And so whether you you think those actually did within the loop happen back to back, I think putting them back to back is more interesting to watch that that growth of that kind of his projects. Okay. Well, that I agree. It may not have happened like sequential loops, yeah. but it still happens in a compact time frame yeah. because right. he has certain eras of his relationship with yes. the loop. No. Yeah. But, but it's not like, well, maybe he was kind of learning, doing some of the stuff at the same time as some of the other stuff. And, and they don't show like the whole loop. They just do that individual right. tiny bit over and over and again to show the changes. And I think that was a good idea is what I'm saying. Yeah. And then though I do love the first loop he gets into when he's killing himself, where he steals the groundhog and lets the groundhog drive the car. That's when he got bit by the groundhog. (laughs) To a, to a quarry. And he goes off the quarry, and it's one of my favorite lines of all the great lines of this one, where Larry turns to Andy McDowell's like, he's probably okay. And then the car explodes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say where he's, he's t- saying, don't drive angry, which apparently <laughs> uh, Bill Murray improvised that because the because groundhog. Bill Murray? No, because the groundhog was freaking out. And so he's like, don't drive angry to the groundhog because <laughs> the groundhog was having a meltdown and then bit him. Never work with children or animals. They'll bite you. <laughs> That's our quote know. of the week. That was always one of my favorite parts. Although I remember when I was younger watching that, I didn't really understand why he wanted to keep killing himself. But I think, I mean, anybody who gets stuck in a loop like that and has nothing to do with it, I think would start going crazy and just decide mm-hmm. to try to get... <laughs> get out of this loop any way possible. And I think that's what that's actually what he said when he went to steal the groundhog was something about I, well, needing I think, a way out. And it maybe if yeah. the groundhog didn't see his shadow, he there wouldn't the day wouldn't keep repeating itself because he needed yeah. winter to end. It's so the he, it's the groundhog's fault. It's all the groundhog's fault. Maybe this explains why in the musical he's human sized. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen the I, musical yet. I haven't either. But um when he decides to kill the groundhog, that is like his one attempt at trying to figure out why this is happening and how to put a stop to it. Because his nukes cast is basically him describing the groundhog will go on forever and he needs to be stopped and I am just the man to stop him. <laughs> and then he ends up murdering this groundhog who is fine the next day. I didn't remember groundhogs being that fat. That was my yeah. one. Yeah, he's real. I fed. couldn't decide if it was any, like a groundhog or a beaver. It's not a beaver. Like presumably they got a real groundhog. I just Beavers don't know what groundhogs look like. Like a woodchuck. Okay. That's a joke because <laughs> groundhogs and woodchucks are the same thing. Oh. That's for all you animal science people out there. I've never claimed to be an animal scientist. I'm not either, but I know that one fact about groundhogs. You're not an ant scientist? I'm not an ant scientist. I'm not a chicken scientist. Oh, yeah, they're real fat. 
Another moment that I really loved in this film is, again, Slevin Tobolowsky playing Ned Ryerson, who says his name so perfectly that when you think of this movie, part of what you think of is Ned Ryerson, just in the way that he says it. One of the things I love is that Bill Murray is like going through his day and starting to get things right. And one of the ways he gets rid of Ned is he just, he hugs Ned affectionately. He whispers into Ned's ear. It's like, I don't know what you're doing today, but I'd really like it if you could come sit down with me. And just this little show of affection, which goes against Bill Murray's character, scares off Ned entirely and he doesn't have to deal with it. I just want you guys to know that groundhogs can get up to almost nine pounds. And so they are about the size of a baby. Great. Thank you. <laughs> this has been Animal Facts with Sarah, a podcast within a podcast. I can find you more. They, no, no, that's, that's fine. They cannot that, chuck wood. Your, your side podcast has ended. They cannot chuck wood, but they do dig holes. Great. Thank you. Yep. I didn't have any ones about kangaroos last time, so I got to make up for it. So do you remember, so this had nothing really to do with anything we've talked about so far, but the very first time. Does anything that they're doing their filming. Mm -hmm. I just happened to see a thing about this and I noticed it when I watched. But so Phil is counting down, you know, they, they do their filming and he goes back, okay, now come to me, three, two, one. But when he does his countdown, it's three, two, one. And he flips oh, yeah. off the camera. He does. <laughs> does he? <laughs> he does. I miss this. Um, but I think it's, again, just part of the character probably, but it could just also be Bill Murray <laughs> because you okay. never know. But... The so I thought was an interesting bit of trivia on who they originally talked about casting this. And they there were a lot of people they thought of before Bill Murray that all got, like, decided against and went with Bill Murray. But what I thought was really funny, because it ties back to another episode, is one of the original thoughts was Tom Hanks. And they really? decided against Tom Hanks because they thought Tom Hanks was too nice. Yeah. And I could see he that. He was yeah, big I back. See. I mean, he was big. <laughs> he was big, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, he was a well-known actor at that time. Yeah. But I, I, I don't. But they, I, they, I, I guess, because because there were several other people like I like John Travolta and stuff. They thought about, but all of them were turned down because they were too nice. And I guess they really wanted that that really mean character to have that transition. Right. So they went with Bill Murray. And, yeah, Bill Murray is perfect for it. He just he plays a curmudgeon so well and. Even when he is evil, he still has, like, moments where you laugh with him, even though, like, he's making fun of other people. I mean, that's his whole <laughs> career, playing slightly yeah. unlikable, but not necessarily super unlikable people. Well, like, within the first 30 seconds, somebody's talking to him about having a good time at Punxsutawney, and he calls her hairdo. He yeah. doesn't even know anybody's names that he works with. So, it's like he's he's... Making fun of people, but it's sarcastic, and you're still there to laugh with him. This may be one of our shorter episodes, because I am already out of notes. <gasps> I had no notes I to know. start with. It's just that... It's just that the one movie of the repeats things about itself. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even though there is nuance with every new loop, I don't know if there's enough to talk about. This is a perfect movie that you could describe in, like, a paragraph, and people would understand the crux of the film. Whereas, I mean, you were able to do it in a minute, but, I mean... <laughs> you left out some we've details, done that with but... other things, yes. Oh, one character I did have a note on, which I'm not sure if this is anything. It's just, like, the 
the actor playing this role gave a weird reading on a look that he gave on the film. So it's when Bill Murray is at the bar and he's sitting with Andy McDowell. And this is in the process where he's trying to get her to know him or like trying to get in her good graces. And it's a sequence where he sits down and he orders her a drink, but he orders his drink first. They're drinking different things. The next loop, he orders her drink and they start a conversation about how they like the same drink, but he gives the wrong toast. And on the third leg, he gets the right drink and he gets the rice toast and she feels something for him in that moment. But the bartender looks over at him and just kind of gives him this weird eye mm-hmm. as if the bartender understands what's going on in this He's sequence. He's got the shine. He <laughs> might have the shine is the thing. Yeah, he, uh, his looks were interesting because at some point he looks over like he is like encouraging. Because even when cameraman, what's his face, um, is there with Nancy he does kind of the same thing where he's like, yeah. oh, I see what you're doing trying to hit on her. But then other times he just kind of looks over like, what are you doing? Like, Maybe it's just bartender intuition. It might be. Maybe the bartender's like, stuck in his own loop. Whoa. <laughs> a loop within a but loop. But he, he still plans and goes to work every day. <laughs> Maybe he loves the drama. Maybe he's secretly Maybe he messing does. with people in the bar. He's like... <laughs> I've got a job where I can, like, ruin and get together these different relationships every day. Maybe he caused the loops. I can drink as much liquor and it'll never affect me and I'm in this bar. But yeah, there's another thing I love about the film because the film doesn't explain certain things like how the loop starts, how the loop ends, what characters know what. But yet, as opposed to last week where they explained nothing and yet you were so confused and you really (laughs) wanted that. In this one, you don't need the explanation. Enough is explained to understand... The relationships that you don't need to know any of the real mythos behind mm-hmm. the loop. That's fine. Yes. You you know I just love, enough to understand why things are happening. I love the minimalism yes. that they've done in this film. And it's a great contrast to Warriors of Virtue, where they just tried to get every single possible thing and they into explained the exposition the wrong of this thing. Things. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. everything I, you wanted explained, they're like, nope, we're we'll we'll not talk about that at all. And if, I think if if they had over-explained in this one, you would have gotten Star Wars problem, like with the prequels where they over-explained things in the prequels, and you're like, you know what? I was fine not knowing the science behind that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need to know. I was fine just saying. Yeah. I was fine with it just yes, being space small magic. small bacteria in your blood that let you access the force. Like, but let's get back to this but, movie. Yeah, I I'm think, fine with I the think answer it's... to this one being space magic, too. Maybe. I don't need to know more than that. Just space magic. Well, it's kind of that same theory that I think Pixar uses a lot, that in a lot of these loops, they still have dialogue, but a majority of the story is just told through watching the loop over and over again and not Mm -hmm. actually hearing conversations like the whole slapping montage. (laughs) There's a bunch of scenes going over and over with her just slapping him and music playing. You don't really hear them talking a lot, but you still understand what he's trying to do and how it's not working every time. Yes, and I love that in that they don't need dialogue to explain what's going on. They show it visually. Everyone gets the emotions that are happening there. And it's just visual without text, without explanation. We get it because we can see it. Okay, one of my favorite scenes that does this, there's not a whole lot of dialogue, 
is the montages of the piano playing. I was yes. going to ask about her because we hadn't talked oh, about it yet. All right, yeah, let's talk really, about this piano Most of what are. they say is there's a couple lines where he offers her the money, she kicks the student out, but a lot of it is just the change of her facial expression from absolute horror to imp- being impressed. Because that first loop, she wants, she highly regrets taking that money. She mm-hmm. wants to die. And then slowly she's like, oh no, you're really good for a beginner too. That's my student, isn't it great? And it's this All right. slow ch- I want to talk about that because yes. that is the, on the final loop, we see um, Bill Murray at a party. He is playing with like a jazz band and she tells Andy McDowell, that's my student. How does she know? Uh, is she taking credit of one yes, day of lessons? she definitely is. But is he still telling her she he's never played piano before and she thinks she's found this like this hidden like savant that she mm-hmm. can be like I found him this is my doing yeah and I had a problem with it until the film answered my problem for me where w- when we get to the party Bill Murray is playing and I was curious how did a piano teacher who doesn't play with bands teach a man how to play with bands but soon after that Bill Murray steps down and she takes his place so of course she could Tell him and teach him something that she already knows. Yeah, but I, 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 just, I, it was one of yeah. the moments where, like, aha, I've got the film. Oh wait, nope, the film explained it. Dang it! <laughs> it I've had a lot of movies on this podcast that do that because I'll start writing down a note and I'll be like, no, no, I had a really good comment on that. Don't fix it. All right. It's something so, I love about some of those movies, though, where it's something that's obviously ridiculous that wouldn't be real, and then they have some random explanation for it afterwards that may not really make sense, but Isn't we that accept what it, is? it it's because it's the movie. I don't know. It could be. Uh, but we are we are nearing the end of this log form discussion. I want to do two things before we stop. One, I want to talk about his perfect day, the thing that leads to ending the loop, and then I want to talk about after the loop, what repercussions are, is he facing? And then we're going so to let's... repeat the whole thing over again. Absolutely. <laughs> In fact, I encourage the viewers, once we are done with long form, just hit repeat. Keep listening to it until you've memorized everything. All right. So let's talk about his perfect day. What does the end of the loop, what does the meaning of the loop look like for him? And just, just summarize the plot or talk about your favorite moments about what he does during that day. It's interesting because some of the scenes you see are things that you've never seen him do before. Like, uh, the one he, so first of all, you know, he's already in love with Rita by now. And she asks if he wants to go do something. And he says, well, I'll take a rain check. I have errands to run. And then you see him going around town helping everyone. So one scene, he runs down to catch a kid who's falling out of a tree. And he says, you have never thanked me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say? What do you say? And you then have the never next one, he's like waiting for the car with a flat tire. He's just standing there with a jack and a tire and helps them out with this. And these are like some of the other scenes you've seen montages repeating the same scene over and over again till he gets it right or till he mm-hmm. starts to figure it out. And these are things you've never seen before, but they're throwing them in there to show these are things that he knows because he's been there for so long. Mm-hmm. And then I think the whole party at the end is interesting because they never talked about that at all before either. And everybody no. in town well, seems do. to know Phil after he's been there for one day. They mention it once, I think, that in one of the very first loops, she says, are you going to the dinner or oh. something like that? And he says, no, 
whatever and blows it off. Well, he's yes, like, because in the early loops, he's trying to get there. Yes. He's trying to get out as soon as possible. So they well, never and- actually show it, but it is mentioned very briefly. But one of the things that is happening in town that he does not want to go to or have anything to do with at the beginning is someone well, asks him if he's going um, to it. What's his face? Master of ceremonies, mayor, yes. whoever he, he is. He saves his brother. Who really it should be running everything because he was like the guy at the groundhog like thing. The so at this party, would it have even happened the first time? Because you see later on that he saves this guy from choking at the dinner table. So he may not, that guy may have died the first time through and they may have canceled the party was because that the, guy the main leader guy wasn't yes. there. Oh. So it is the same guy, okay. the mayor, master of ceremonies, well, whoever, who is choking. Maybe it's an after dinner party. And the little nuance in the scene that I love is Bill Murray walks in just as the guy's joking, gives it the Heimlich, turns around, and lights a woman's cigarette. Meaning he has done this so long that not even saving the guy, he's also going to deal with the small problem and prepare a lighter for this woman. But uh, his perfect day starts off with his perfect newscast. And this is, we catch the end of it. So they didn't write at all of it. And I love that because it makes the viewer uh, try to fill in the rest of it of how good this newscast could have been. And it shows a direct contrast between the puff piece that he started this loop with to this really well-written and well-researched presentation. And we know this because... He is talking not only into his camera, he is talking into every camera that is there with about like 15 different microphones in his face. It's almost like he is giving a press conference for the Groundhog's reveal. I think this scene, if I remember correctly, comes right after the thing with the old man that he can't save. It does. So it's this whole big thing that you're all sad because he can't save this guy and he's so emotional about it that he has to go give this big speech about enjoying the moments in your life and how good it is that winter lasts forever and all of this. So it's kind of, I think part of the speech came from his emotions from the old guy. But yeah, I don't understand how every news channel would be recording one newscaster, especially from another station but you know i guess and maybe maybe he has figured out the right words to say to each of them over the course of his loops in order to get them all on board with this like maybe he is pretending that he is the masters of ceremony or he has talked the mayor into letting him do the one broadcast uh but uh let's finish off with this final loop with the party where he is going around and people are coming up to him and just thanking him about what he has done during the day, including this couple who has gotten married that day. Apparently he talked the bride into getting married and he has for them WrestleMania tickets. And I cannot tell you how much I love this couple. This couple is so adorable. And just to see their their faces light up when he he has WrestleMania tickets of all things. And then then because they're so excited, they start to hug Phil and Rita. And when the husband hugs Rita, the wife gives him this dirty look and grabs him and walks away. <laughs> yes. Just the, the subtlety and the little things they're doing with these character actors. But it ends with him leaving with Rita, but running into Ned Ryerson. And apparently... He has bought, like, every insurance imaginable from this guy because it doesn't matter whatsoever, except for the loop ends, and now 
he is forced to face with repercussions he has not had to deal with for like the past 15 years. I think in a previous loop, he has told Rita, I'm a god, I don't even need to floss. Yes, that is the line. So he is completely ill-prepared for the future that he has set up for himself, including the the large sum of money he has spent over the previous day. I think he's kind of gotten to the point where that's what he wants. He's okay with that changing, because what he wanted is he wanted to do something for Ned. and he And maybe he probably shouldn't have done every single insurance plan yeah but i think he's kind of at the point where if the loop starts and this is the money that has been spent i can i can live with that i think he's as mark said gotten to the acceptance phase yeah where where i mean maybe he just figures this is the amount of money i had to spend to get out of that loop i could understand that but like because he's been stuck in that loop for so long i think he is devalued what currency is. He should have just gotten Ned a date with his sister again. We don't know if Ned's married. Though the phone lines are down. He couldn't call his oh, sister. Yeah. They really thought this thing through. He could, stole it. He could, he could say he was going to do that later. But yeah, that's, that's the impression I got. Because the film ends with him finally having Andy McDowell. They have survived the day. And now they can begin their lives together. But all I could think of is like, he is a prisoner getting out of jail after like a 30-year sentence. He's going to be completely ill-prepared for what happens next. Hey, but he can speak French now, so. I, I Can he speak French or did he learn one French poem? No, I think yeah, he, he learned I French. Wondering. I think he learned all French. All French. All French. All French. All right. Well, that is going to close olive long. Olive French. Is that where they oh, make the olive oil? I want olives now. Oh my god, just eat something during the break. Alright, this is going to end long form. We Let's get into games. Our first game is the pitch game, where we take two or more properties and shove them together in the form It's This Meets This to describe this movie. So, starting off with Mark here, what is Groundhog Day in terms of other films? Okay, so knowing that Sarah and I both have some where we're combining three movies instead of two, it makes me... It makes me kind of nervous that somebody's going to steal mine. So because this is a movie where the main character is stuck in a time loop where he dies many times but comes back each time learning new skills. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And because it's a movie about a prominent weatherman deciding whether she should take a job on national TV, it is Edge of Tomorrow meets the weatherman. Oh. <laughs> All right. You tricked me with the second one. Yeah, I thought it was a different film, which maybe one of you has, so I won't mention. Okay. I'm Sarah, gonna do take us away. My one with three. Okay, yeah. it's <laughs> questionable because it is a man who a lot of his problems are caused by a giant rodent-like creature. Even though ah. I think mm-hmm. neither of them are rodents, um, meets a thing where he has to retry to get someone to fall in love with him each time. Ah. Meets Bill Murray being attacked by a large rodent-like creature. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. the movie Harvey meets 50 First Dates meets Caddyshack. Yeah. Ha! All right, well... I knew you somebody was going to have you that stole, one. 
maybe a lot of mine, uh, but I still need to start with my worst one. Uh, so since this is a movie with a character learning about what will happen by experiencing it again and again, going back to the start, leading him to perform extraordinary feats thanks to this knowledge, also a large amount of the film is not actually happening. Uh, and since this is a Harold Ramis film starring Bill Murray who falls in love with a woman and gets her to fall in love with him thanks to the intervention of some paranormal activity, it is the movie Next meets Ghostbusters. Hmm. I didn't see you next. Oh, duh. Of course you was wouldn't. That, was that Denzel Washington or Nicolas Cage? <laughs> Nick Cage. Yeah, of then course. what was the terrible Denzel Washington one? Deja Vu. Thank you. There is a terrible Denzel Washington one? Yes. Yes. I have not seen that, actually, but Denzel is usually pretty good. Hey, Carl knew which one I was talking about. True. Yeah. I think I've, he's I, fine in it. The I see a lot of time travel junk movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, take us away. All right. So, uh, because it's a movie, Bill Murray repeatedly battling a subterranean rodent. <laughs> it's also a movie with a curmudgeonly man learning to change his ways and care for others. And it's a man who kind of travels in time, putting right what once went wrong until he can find a way to repair his life and return home. So Caddyshack meets Christmas Carol meets Quantum Leap. At first, I thought you were just going to do Bill Murray movies and have the middle one be Scrooged. I well, one of it. us was going to, Sarah. Oops. <laughs> Thanks for waiting to say that one. Um, but, oh, go ahead. Okay. So, because. It's a, I'm trying to think of the time period. When did Groundhog's Day come out? 90s? Yep, 80s? Sure. sure. Science We're going to say determine. 90s-ish romantic comedy with a curly-haired brunette meets a movie Mark already described with ah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's Notting Hill meets Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, good news. We all three got this movie. Uh, a character stuck in a time loop repeating the same day over and over, learning more about his environment each time and living, dying, and repeating meets a movie where Bill Murray, uh, starting the film as a complete jerk and changing his ways be and becoming a great guy through weird time magic over the course of one day, this is Edge of Tomorrow meets Scrooged. I haven't even <laughs> seen Edge of Tomorrow. Me neither. Does, does Sarah have more... No. Uh, Sarah is out. I have one more, uh, which was my best one, though half of it was already stolen. Uh, since this is a man repeatedly getting a woman to fall in love with him, but her memory resetting every day and him changing over time while she stays the same, and a man trapped in an eerie situation with no one understanding or believing him, a man thinking he is in a paradise only to learn over time he can't escape, and a character dealing with a tragically unavoidable death. This is Fifty First Dates meets The Twilight Zone. Technically, there we could. There was time now. There was time. Now. I hate both of you. <laughs> Technically, I think so, with the amount of Twilight Zone episodes there, every movie we do could be something right, meets it's the Twilight true. Zone. I, I I just thought of something um, while Sarah was talking on one of these that I could have added but didn't. Sure. But I'm surprised when we were talking about giant rodents that nobody mentioned the Princess Bride. Oh, rodents of unusual size. Of course. But 
Too late I don't now. even know if a groundhog know. is a rodent. It just looks like a rodent. Well, he calls it one several times. <laughs> but a rabbit yes. is not a rodent. But I he is a... not a scientist. It's true. Though well, apparently he's a doctor and could become a scientist by the end of the film. True. Anywho, let's get on to our second game, which is alternate tagline. Oh, it a is phrase, a rodent. A phrase you would see on the poster of the film uh, describing the theme of the movie Though possibly missing the point. So, Mark, you're going to start us off once again. What do you got? So, I'm not uh, really happy with any of these, but yep. here we go. Join the club. This just in. Local weatherman incorrectly predicts weather. <laughs> All right. Not Because bad. that's big news, apparently. <laughs> so, this is a, a tagline on the poster that would actually appear... Uh, before the title of the film. So it ends with the title. It is simply, there is no tomorrow. There is no escape. There is only Groundhog Day. Mine was just, the delightful film you'll want to see over and over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> I really wanted to use that somehow. But it's, very, it's, it's a very similar idea to the actual real ones. Which oh, are, I could not find the real yeah, one. According I to IMDb, there's two. And it's okay. he's having the worst day of his life over and over. And okay. then it's, he's having the day of his life over and over oh, again. Good. Oh, well, I well, didn't see I those, have one very similar to that, yeah, but we're I, back to Mark. What do you have for your second one? Groundhog Day, the extended music video for I Got You, Babe. <laughs> uh, well, we never mentioned that, but do you think that was kind of, um, uh, I guess they chose it because it is eerily prescient, where like the day has him. He is trapped. There's that. And it, I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe. they fell in love, so it's a love song about that. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's just a, a really annoying song to wake up to that many days in a <laughs> row and would make you want to smash an alarm clock. Maybe. All right. My second one, uh, Groundhog's Day, predicting 6,000 more weeks of winter. <laughs> yep. Does Sarah have Sarah had one of these? Sarah yes. did have one. Finish with the Oh, well, I have mark. another one. Then. Oh, I have one. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry I was bad. That's all right. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, hard. Hard. All right. Groundhog Day. Come for the celebration. Stay for the personal transformation. Ooh, I like that one. It could have been a real one. Yeah, my final one, which is very much like the real ones. Uh, Groundhog's Day. He's given only one day to live, and he'll keep at it until he gets it right. But yes, I agree. Writing games for this one was hard because I I liked the film and it's hard to find nuance in a film that is so well known and so iconic and the story is so simple. Like there's a not lot. really subplots in the film in that Bill Murray is involved in every part of it. So the plot of the movie would eclipse any subplot that's there. Yeah, I feel cause... like a lot of times our games are trying to make fun of the movie, but when it's a good movie, you don't really I want know. to make fun There's of no... it. <laughs> I maybe have something for the next game, which we have by measures gotten to. Our third game is the TV Guide game, a description of the plot of the film you would see in a TV Guide or Netflix description, uh, though once again, possibly missing the point. So Mark, start us off. What do you have for this game? Forced to relive one day for the rest of his life, Phil Connors learns to live a lifetime in one day. Aw. 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 All right, Sarah, what do you got? <laughs> one man's delusions won't stop until a comedy becomes a romantic comedy. Mwah, mwah. 
That's Sorry. my noise. No, it's it's pretty great. It's that is the pun noise. I use it incorrectly. But that was not even a pun. I know. I know. Ugh. That's why it's incorrect, Mark. All right, I've got a man is trapped in an inescapable prison of sorts for must be years. And when he is released, he has lost a significant amount of money and is completely ill prepared to return to normal life. Depressing. Yes. Oh, is that me again? Yes, it is. We've been full circle. All right. The world's most famous rodent is shocked to learn that the dark figure that has been stalking him his whole life is just a shadow. Good. No, Good. no, you have somehow created the new, um, like, who did Emoji movie? Whoever, whatever studio is, they're going to have the mm-hmm. Groundhog movie, and just wait, that's going to be the plot, and it's going to be awful. Yes, he is being stalked by his own staff. As long as I get Shadow. royalties, I'm fine with that. Oh, you won't. <laughs> um, TM, 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 TM. I just realized I put a wrong word in this, and... Good. And Just I'm read, read it, it with the, the wrong word. I'm it's gonna fine. read it the way I wrote it, and then I yes. wrote correctly. Yes, do um, that. A man uses knowledge he shouldn't have to drink a woman into liking him. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to say to trick a woman into liking him. I don't know why I wrote drink. <laughs> I think you were thirsty. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I All think right. maybe it's because it was during the bar scene and they kept saying, what do you have to drink? And I just wrote down drink. All right. So I'm going to finish this off with my final one. The universe bends all of time and space to get someone to finally love Andy McDowell. Aw. She gets Hugh Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, I, think. I was That's thinking, Andy McDowell, I, don't right? really, I thought I recognized her, you know, when I was watching this, but I couldn't remember anything else that she's been in. Yeah, I just remember her from this. She's in Four Weddings and a Funeral, right? Sure. Sure. That movie that I don't think I've ever seen. You've never seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah, uh, Annie McDowell, Hugh Grant. It's got Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, okay. So the title, it means the plot, basically. <laughs> she's in Hudson Hawk. Good. All right, let's go on to reviews. Our first scale is our infamous potato scale, where we will tell you what you will feel when watching the movie in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So, who would like to start us off? What is Groundhog Day in terms of potatoes? Not me, because I don't have it open. <gasps> I already wrote mine down, even. Yeah, I, I wrote mine down, too. This okay. m- I don't remember if I've ever done this before, but this may be the first time that I have given Five Guys fries to one of our movies, which we've I- said several times that it was a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I, I, I debated about making it, like, black Five Guys fries because there was, I mean, you're watching somebody die and then right. the guy is trying to figure out how to live his life over and over. So there's kind of some troubling issues in there, but, and then he, you know, with suicide because he's freaked out about what's going on. So I I had that for a while, but I think in the end, it was just a good movie that you could watch over and over and over. So... <laughs> Yeah, I am right there with you, Mark. I am also giving this film a Five Guys Fries. Like, watching the movie, all of my notes were just to remind myself on the plot of the movie when I was going through games. I couldn't find fault with the movie because this character is doing exactly what I would be doing if this was happening to me. And also, you mentioned there are troubling issues, but one of the themes of the movie is that the actions you take during the day don't matter 
There's no repercussions. The next day, that's just going to be there again. And so because he's living in a world without consequence, he can do these awful things. And we know in the long run, it has no effect on these characters whatsoever. And so I this may not be the first movie to do looping. I think it is the best movie that has done looping. I just it a- is iconic. It is a staple of Bill Murray's career. It I think it is the best example of what this type of film can be. And I think it's a perfect movie. I think, well, and Sarah still has to give her review, but it may be my favorite of any Bill Murray movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ghostbusters is good too, but specifically like Bill Murray as the only main character. Yeah. Like Scrooge better, but we haven't watched that yet, so we, I can't we have say that. Not. I can't we'll say that with Christmas. Maybe every Christmas we'll just watch one version of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> Maybe. Um, All right. I just thought of a moral of the story while you were talking. <gasps> Go on. Which is that really in the long one, what he learns is he can't change with, through the loop. The only thing he can change is himself. Uh huh. So that's the moral. That's the way he fixes it is by changing himself, not changing things in the loop. Yeah, I had, uh, I forgot to mention this during the, but there's also, there's a specific line he says towards the end of the final loop where he tells the Andy McDowell and he knows in the morning the day is just going to reset, but he tells her, I'm happy now. In this moment, I am happy whatever happens next. But that's really the only thing he can change is his attitude and his feelings. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I missed. <laughs> well, I had two other possible taglines because this made me think of two specific musicals. So it would have been Groundhog's Day, no day but today or Groundhog's Day. Everything in life is only for now. I don't know what the second one. Avenue Q. Oh, I have never seen Avenue Q. Anyway, Sarah, I've interrupted your reviews. What do you have for potatoes? I'm going to give it slightly below you, where it's three-fourths of a five guys and one-fourth <laughs> of a steak and shake. All right. <laughs> one-fourth of this movie wasn't up to your standards? Well, Which fourth was it? <laughs> no, it's just, it, there's nothing wrong in the movie. It is a very good movie. It's just, I'm a little more of a visual person. I like dramatic scores and... And sweeping scenery and pretty costumes. And obviously this is a movie that doesn't have that. Right. And so it's not necessarily that there's anything wrong. It is really, really good. And I really enjoy it. And I would watch it a lot. It's just, is it my favorite genre of movie? No. But it's still... The thing that's wrong with it isn't necessarily anything wrong with it. More that I'm wrong with it. I don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. I, I think so. Yes. All right. So... It didn't make me cry. So there was no sad dogs. You know what we could do for this one? Hmm. It's not because the day repeats itself over and over again. You should just make it the Red Robin bottomless fries. Ooh. (gasps) All right. Uh, Let's go on to our second review scale, which is a zero to ten point scale, telling our listeners should they go back and watch this movie. So, what do you guys have for Groundhog Day? A nine. A nine and a fourth. <laughs> it's not my favorite of the movies we have watched, but it's definitely up there. It's like tied for second with like five other things. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not my favorite because there weren't dogs in it. Well, no, yeah, I, I still think shame. the one I rated my favorite was Muppet Christmas Carol. Didn't I give that above the scale? Like <laughs> yes, a 12. you may have. So, so it's still like it's still up there like tying with like everything that wasn't the kangaroo movie or ants. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just. 
It's not up to that Muppet's Muppet. It's not up to the Muppet standards, which is a movie you have learned to love through Stockholm Syndrome after watching it every year in the 30 years of your life. I'm not 30 yet. You're very close. You're not supposed to tell the audience how old I am. Wow, Carl. Way to go. (laughs) Sarah, I'm closer to 30. I am a lady. I have no age. Hey, that's true. I'm farther from 30 than either one of you. Correct. All right, so I am going to give this movie a 10. Uh, For what this movie is, it does it perfectly. Everyone's doing a fantastic job in this movie, down to the smallest roles for each of the character actors. Like this, it has so many good roles for character actors, because although they only play a small part in every day, they're doing that same day like a hundred different times. Uh, And... I can't find fault with the film in that the plot makes perfect sense where this character is doing the things that I would be doing in this situation to figure out what's going on in or to change my ways and try to deal with this situation. He doesn't make a wrong choice or a dumb choice. So for me, perfect plot for what it is like this movie is timeless in a way because although it doesn't have cell phones, it could be just, this could be set today. It goes to a small town where there's no service. Although, yeah, you have to have like the internet's down and stuff like that. Because if it was set today and you right. didn't have that, you'd just be like, I can now watch everything on my Netflix list. <laughs> yes. But like that's, a th- that's one throwaway line and then this movie becomes modern. So, yeah, I think this movie is timeless and perfect for what it tries to be. So, 10 is my review. Mark, what do you have? I just thought of another one for the uh, pitch game. I I think, have I given a 10 before? I'm pretty, Probably I not. I don't know that I have, but this would be up there. You're pretty um, stingy. Yep. I, I... It's funny because I didn't really watch this a lot growing up. Like, I I guess it wasn't that well-known to me until maybe college. Wow. Um, but as just watching it as an adult, it's definitely a movie that I would watch a lot. And basically because of the points that everybody else already said. Mm-hmm. So I would give this one a 10 as well. Especially if you have not seen it yet, you probably should at least once. But... If you do see it at least once, you will probably want to watch it again and again and again and again. <laughs> so <laughs> I would I would give a special shout out to someone who I know has not seen it at this point, but he doesn't listen to this podcast, so All shame right. on uh, him. Uh, well, <laughs> strap him to a chair and force him. That seems illegal. Well, I don't know. Has science determined who's to say? All science? Right. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? Uh. <laughs> I constantly say science is yet to determine. That's what I, think I was the law needs to determine that. Whatever. Has. We're closing this thing out. Sarah, tell people where they can find us online. You can find us at Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. You can find each other on Facebook at Retrograding Party Line. You can find us at our website at retrograding.fireside.fm. And you can find us at iTunes if you just search in the podcast section for retrograding. Leave us a like, a review, a comment, a share, any of those things. Mm -hmm. Our music is done by the great Dominique Barnes. You can find her on SoundCloud by looking for Dominique A. Barnes if you want to contact her or know more. 
So to finish us off, we are going to do the final section, which is, guys, I learned something today. And because this is a great movie, I don't have a joke here. Uh, in fact, oh, I thought it was that Andy McDowell doesn't like fudge. Well, all right, that can be it. <laughs> I mean, do we want that to be it? That could totally be it. No, please uh, don't. All right. Well, I actually didn't prepare anything, but based on what Sarah has just said, I'm going to steal that idea and use it as a lesson where many times in life you cannot change your situation. However, you can change yourself and you may be the better for it. All right. With that enlightening note or bullshit note or non-comedic note, uh, let's finish this thing off. Go see this movie. We'll catch you next time. That song is definitely going in the bloopers. <laughs> you mean right. you don't want that as the theme song now? Oh, we, we already did that once where Sarah made a theme song. I let it play in like maybe three episodes before going back. But that was a much better one than that one that was terrible. Yes, that, was just that is going, true. Games, it's game time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so hungry. Just so you know, lampshading... Is a writer's trick of dealing with any element of the story that threatens the audience with willing suspension of disbelief. Um, it assures the audience that the author is aware of the implausible plot development that just happened, and they aren't trying to slip past something something past the audience. Gotcha. Um, it can be a tactic of self-deprecation. So I was uh, right when I said Sure. That. I've just never heard the term before. I didn't say you were wrong. Let me finish eating this piece of cheese. You sound mm -hmm. like you're underwater for a minute. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's get down to business. Did you feed That's the way.